we got our guy, and I could not be more thrilled. Hey, no one said football was easy. Get your head wrapped around the fact that everything we do is going to be hard. Everything we're going to put you through is going to be hard. Welcome to a very special off-season episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, and Jamie Holton. Boy, do we have a special episode for you today. We're just going to dive right into it. Josh was fortunate enough to sit down with Duke Athletic Director Nina King to get her thoughts on football, basketball, coaching searches, as well as the NIL. Let's go ahead to the interview. And now we welcome to our show uh, the athletic director at Duke University, uh, Nina King. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today on the Section 17 podcast. Thanks. It's great to be with you guys. I love talking football year round. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there we go. I mean, who would have thought that we're sitting here uh, the end of June, beginning of July? and, And not only are we talking football, but there's a lot of buzz around that football program right now. Very exciting. Um, I, you know, I, I enjoy summer because it's a, a little bit slower pace and some time to take some deep breaths and get ready for the new year. But I'm also really excited for the fall to get here so we can get out to Wallace Wade and uh, and see Coach Elko's program hit the hit the field. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I've got some questions for you, you know, but off the cuff here, just yesterday, uh, the football program releases this epic video. Uh, of, of like WrestleMania style there, uh, PR records and stuff in the weight room. I mean, Jamie on Franklin's in jorts uh, and an Austin 316 t-shirt. Um, I've got to ask you, like, what's your initial, when you see that, what's your initial thoughts for these guys as they're putting videos out like that? <laughs> I love it. It's so much fun. It's because you can see that the guys are having fun, right? I mean, it's, um, they're just, there's smiles on their faces. They're competing. They're, you know, together. Um, it's, it's a really, um, awesome, awesome feeling. And then we've got some really creative folks. I mean, I couldn't figure out any of that stuff, uh, putting it all together. And so just, just really happy for everybody in and around the program, um, that we're taking this thing to, to new heights. Yeah, for sure. And we're seeing parents even on social media that are like screenshotting their kid in the video and like posting about it and stuff, which is which is awesome. It's the full you you you, you want everybody that's involved to be excited, not only as a player, but the families and fans and all of that. And so I, I definitely believe the Duke football social media team um, now they, they've got a ways to go. Let's be honest to catch that men's basketball uh, social media team, which is which is on another <laughs> level. Um but, uh, but they're doing a really good job. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, listen, we're at the one year mark um, of you being named athletic director here at Duke taking over uh, for Kevin White. And I guess just to kind of start us out, what has this year uh, been like for you? Ooh, a whirlwind. <laughs> um, I can't believe it's been a year. Um, time flies when you're having fun, right? The, the cliche. And it's so true. I mean, it, it went fast. Um, but there certainly was a, a lot jam packed into that year. Um, two weeks after my, uh, appointment, um, uh, on the clock for hiring a new men's basketball coach, which was, um, really great. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a little bit here and then, um, you know, kind of moving into the, the school year and year two of the pandemic and trying to figure out how, um, we were going to operate and, and move towards more normal operations and thank goodness we had fans back in our venues but just you know still as a as a country going through uncertain times with with covid still lingering and we were kind of up and down we have covid we don't and um so that was a challenge this year and and just trying to make sure that we were keeping our student athletes safe and and the duke community safe um and then the football transition in in december um working through coach coach uh, k's last um year in the the magical season and and final four run 
on. Um, I am finishing up my second year as my second year as the chair of the Division One Women's Basketball Committee, my fourth year on that committee. So working through that um, and then supporting all of our student athletes across 27 sports and um, also trying to be a good campus citizen and collaborate with folks on campus and um, get around, get to see people, get to know people, even though I've been here for 14 years and just kind of listening and talking to people in a different way now, right? Um, you know, learning learning about what's happening at Duke and um, how Duke Athletics can, can be good partners with folks on campus. So just lots going on. And then um, I'm a mom and I've got two little boys at home. And so just trying to, to keep that train <laughs> on the tracks, uh, which, which can be challenging at times. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think our, our student athletes, um, have deep appreciation for for a being here at Duke, but then b being able to to compete um, in again year two of of uh, COVID world. Um, and so yeah, I mean it's like I said, we're we're kind of taking this summer to to recharge a little bit. Um, but the start of the year will be here before we know it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's crazy to think of just COVID, right? So every athletic director in the country had had to deal with that in their own ways and different parts of the country, obviously dealing with it differently. And then you add in a, a men's basketball transition and not just any men's basketball transition, but, you know, a Mike Krzyzewski transition. And then, you know, a, a program or a sport like football, that's another revenue sport that's, you know, that's out there in the, in the news and, and all those things. So it's been quite a year. I do have to ask you, yeah. this is off script here. I do have to ask you being the chair of that, NCAA Women's Committee, uh -huh. are you aware that you're not the most popular person among NC State women's basketball fans? No, I thought they loved me. Well, here's why. It's because <laughs> they got that one seed, but it was up in Connecticut. And Connecticut I did, got the two I seed. Like, I'm on Twitter. I saw all the nasty things they said about me. Um, <laughs> which, listen, I, I appreciate their passion. I understand. Um I understand why they they felt the way that they did, um, what they perceived to be a, a wrong. Um, but uh, I am one of 12 on a committee. Um, and because I am the Duke AD, I did not set out to, um, to I was going to say a bad word, but <laughs> cause harm to NC State, uh, as, as they would say, uh, in on Twitter. Um, it listen, it was really difficult, um, you know, kind of figuring out how and where to place teams. And the regional sites are set years in advance. I mean, I just came out of a women's basketball committee meeting today where we were talking about regional sites for 2027 and beyond. Um, and so, you know, we're we're looking at, at where to, those sites will be. Um, and then in this particular year, I mean, we we take the one seeds and we put Put them um, uh, in order, um, the number one, one seed, the number two, one seed, three one, and four um, in the closest available geographic um, region. And so for NC State, that was Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, which was not UConn's home court, but those fans show up and they travel and and they were there. And, and um, I did, I, I felt bad for NC State that seeds didn't hold and they didn't advance to the final four. Um, but it was certainly an exciting, exciting tournament um, to be sure. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, we, I get it completely. You mentioned <laughs> I earlier. To say, it was not my fault about the college world series and the bowl game and, 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 because those fans hey. try to say that that was all my fault too. You know, listen, <laughs> and, that, and that is just NC. We have a lot of good friends that are NC state fans. And I mean, if it couldn't happen to a worse fan base, I mean, they're all, they're like the, the redheaded stepchild, you know, they're always like second fiddle. And then all these things happen to them in the same year. So anyway, and that's what they'll I get over it. And I wouldn't say they are not horrible. Um, and and uh, listen, Boo Corgan, the athletic director over there, he and I are are great friends. Um, work together both at, at Notre Dame and here at Duke. And um, we did talk about it um, uh, prior to selections and after selections, and and had good conversation about it. So I completely understand um, Boo and and Coach uh, Coach Moore and and their student athletes' um, oh. disappointment. Um, in, in what happened. Um, but fans will be fans. And listen, yeah. again, I just go back to, I'm, I'm so happy that they have passionate fans because listen, we do too at Duke. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You mentioned earlier having, you got two boys, um, your husband, um, in addition to everything that you mentioned, right. Going on this year and taking this position, um, how have you achieved that important work family 
parent, spouse, work, all of that balance, right? Because that's a juggle. And uh, and maybe, you know, one year in, uh, how have you attempted uh, to, to juggle that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if balance is the right word, right? Because some days it's work wins, some days um, home wins. It, it just depends on, on any given day and kind of what's going on. But I am uh, so fortunate that I've got um, so many great people around me um, to, to, you know, prop me up and, and um, really you know, folks that help me out so that I can be successful at, at what I do and whether that's personally or professionally. Um, you mentioned my husband, he is absolutely wonderful and, and um, he, he keeps the kids in line and, and on track with schedules and getting them to practices and games and, and school and all of that. And then uh, my mom also lives with us. And so I've got two very capable adults at home. Um, and I know that's unique and I am very fortunate, very, very lucky to, to have them um, kind of managing the home front and, and home life and um, without a doubt, without that, I wouldn't be able to to do this um, because I, I am um, on the road a lot. Um, I was just telling somebody I was home last week. Every day last week, I slept in my bed. And I think that's the first time since sometime in January that I was home every day uh, wow. for a week. So wow. um, it's a lot. The, the the grind, if you will, is, is yeah. a lot. And um, but I, I love it and and I wouldn't trade um, this lifestyle um, for the world. Um, but I do, I have encouraged our staff and I, I do try to practice it myself, but to take time to just kind of refresh, regenerate and, um, you know, avoid burnout because that that is a very real possibility um, given these, you know, 24 seven jobs that, that we've all got. So um, again, it just all comes back to great people. Success takes a village and I've got great, great people in my village. That's awesome. That's awesome. Being promoted from inside the athletic department, could you speak, because I'm assuming there's both of this, could you speak to the advantages of being promoted from within and being familiar, and then maybe the challenges that also come along with being promoted from within, as opposed to, you know, being coming from the outside with a fresh perspective? How has that worked for you as, as you've gone from maybe being peers with certain people and now you're in a different role, right? What are some of the advantages and challenges that that come with that? Yeah, well, you hit on both for uh, both answers for advantages and challenges. So advantage, obviously, the familiarity um, with the people, with the place, with the politics. Um, it's that that has been very helpful. I had been here 13 years prior to assuming this position. It's just kind of knowing the ins and outs. And then um, I worked really closely with Kevin um, on, on just about everything um, that was going on in our department. So had a, had a good idea, um, finger on the pulse of, of what was happening and, and um, in real time was able to, to step in and um, into this position and, and um, hit the ground running pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, in terms of the, the challenges, it, it is that I, I've worked with these um, fine folks and do athletics for for so long as um as a, a colleague and and a peer and then all of a sudden still a colleague but now I'm the leader and so um I think sometimes it it can be um lonely and um you know folks that I was friends with and stop in the office and sit and chat and just kind of shoot the shit and I don't know if we can curse but it's a podcast yeah, yeah you can <laughs> sorry oh yes uh, you can curse <laughs> Brian, Brian is our filter and, and that filter is far removed. Awesome. So Good. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, that's different now, right? People are, are kind of like, I don't know if I can talk to her about whatever it might be. And of course I'm still the same person. Um, I have to, I'm not shy about this, but my husband wishes that I was, tell you a quick story. Um, so I enjoy really bad reality TV. Um, you know, I, when I come home and I'm watching TV, um, the trashier, the better. So um, I am a Real Housewives fan of any city. I watch them all. So the night of my announcement, um, it was just like a crazy, crazy day. Um, finally get home, put the kids to bed and I turn on Real Housewives or something. And Rick looks at me and he said, you can't watch that anymore. And I said, said, of course I can. I haven't changed. <laughs> I am still me. <laughs> um, and so, but you know, it's, it is just different. Um, and so thankfully I have really good relationships with, with, um, folks in our department and, and, um, can, can, they can hopefully still see that, that I am still the same person. Um, and so, but you know, every once in a while you kind of have to say, okay, well, maybe they're not, um, you know, coming to the office to sit and talk about housewives. Although I welcome yeah. it. Anybody who wants to, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, um, if I watched Real Housewives, I would be hitting you up on Twitter all the time. But I, I, I don't, unfortunately. 
See, now I watch I'm other do it on Twitter. <laughs> I watch other really terrible TV though, so yeah. you know I'm, I'm a sucker for bad TV. I so, love it for love sure. It. Well, listen, you mentioned it, but you took over as AD literally as the transition was taking place with basketball, um, and you have an iconic uh, iconic coach um, and Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, You have the transition to John Shire. Um, What was your perspective, right? Like, I mean, you know, what what was your perspective as you guys walked through, as the athletic department walked through it, as the men's basketball program walked through that transition? Yeah. Um, So it wasn't a surprise to me, obviously, when I took the the job in, in mid-May, um, uh, Coach Krzyzewski had informed Kevin of his intent to step down after one more year. Um, and so Kevin put together an internal search committee. Um, we hired a search firm um, and got to work on um, you know, scouring, figuring candidates, profiles, what were we looking for in the next Duke men's basketball head coach and, and all of that, um, a lot of research and, and kind of background work. And so I was a member of that internal search committee and our charge was with the search uh, search firm to put together a pool of candidates um, that, that we would interview um, and then ultimately make a recommendation to Kevin and um, our president, uh, Dr. Price. And so um, about halfway through the process is then when I was appointed um, incoming athletic director. And so I switched from working with the internal search committee to then working with um, uh, Kevin and President Price. And so, um, you know, interviewed candidates. Um, there were uh, several candidates that we talked to. It was not a John Shire is our next head coach done deal type of situation at all. We went through a very thorough process um, that I'm happy to, to stay and behind how, how we arrived at, at Coach Shire, um, several interviews, several conversations, and and um, and then ultimately uh, made our decision and and um, had a, I, I love the way that we did it. Had the announcement of uh, Coach K's retirement on a Wednesday, I think it was, and then Friday um, announced Coach John Shire as our next head men's basketball coach, and and um, and then you know how it played out was great, right? So then Coach K, he was not out on the road recruiting last summer, was able. To to spend some really good time with our team here in Durham, getting ready for the year. Um, Coach Shire out recruiting, and obviously we all saw the the fruits of that labor uh, with the number one uh, recruiting class um, here. Now all of those those uh, young men are here, um, and so I mean it, it it worked out really well. Nobody knew there was no playbook. Um, there is no precedent to an iconic forty two year head coach retiring, and what the hell do you do next? Mm-hmm. But I think we did it pretty well. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, this season was a, was a pretty special season for, for Duke men's basketball. Um, I have to ask you about the, the final home game, you know, UNC, yeah. I was at the game. I, I, I was privileged enough to, to be at the game. And from my perspective, from the time I stepped foot on campus, it was just different. That day it was just different. It was, there was so many more people there and it was just, you know, even watching through the warmups and everything, like the whole day just had a different vibe about it. And then obviously the result on the court was not what we wanted. And, and, you know, I'm catching myself the whole game, like looking over and watching the 100 former players reactions to whatever's going on, you know, it was just different. And then the game ends and you guys have to walk out there on that court and then honor him. And we understand it's 42 years of success but still, it's kind of a little bit awkward, right? Uh, at the end there, walk us through what you were thinking yeah. when you guys had to then honor him and he was not in the mood, to, you know, for the cheers and stuff, which I appreciate. That's to me, that's vintage Coach K. I was cool with it, um, but he wasn't in the mood for all the cheers. Uh, yeah. What were you thinking uh, when that when it started becoming inevitable? Hey, we're going to lose this game and we've yeah. still got to do these things at the end. Yeah, it was hard. And I think awkward is a good way to describe it. Um, and listen, we're also competitive. And um, I think we were just pissed. I mean, the way that we lost that game and, 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 you know, you can't, you can't put all the blame on those, those young men. I mean, there was a lot um, that went into to that day um, and, uh, you know, around the game. So all of the ancillary stuff and the distractions and, and I mean, it, all, the whole season, the whole distractions of all season came to a head right then um, for the Carolina game uh, on our last time in Cameron with coach K. So um, it, it was just, it was a lot, it was crazy, but I think also relief that it was over 
over um, and that we had postseason in front of us. I mean, it wasn't like that was put a bow on the season, we're done. Um, and it certainly gave um, gave our team um, some fire under their butts to to keep going and uh, and make some some magic out of the postseason, which they certainly did. So it was tough, um, but you know, you kind of all right. We have to do this. We're going out on the court to do this, and so. Let's go buck up and, and let's go celebrate coach. And you're right. I mean, it's so easy to celebrate him and, and everything that he's done. Um, and so just for that, I don't know how long it was, 20 minutes, kind of put the the sting of what just happened behind us and, and look forward. Yeah, for sure. Now, one change that we haven't mentioned yet in your first season as athletic director, we've talked basketball, we've taught all these different things, but there are three big letters that are now a part of college basketball, N-I-L. All right. Yeah. And so NIL was introduced um, within the last few months. Um, and that's a major shift in college sports. I mean, you know, to, from the cynical fans that say, yes, yeah, a major shift. It's now legal. Everything has been going on illegally. You've got that side. And then you have other people. This is ruining college sports because, you know, there is no such thing as amateurism. You know, all these types of things, obviously, from a fan, I think from a balanced perspective, I think everyone could at least agree it seems right now like it's like the wild, wild west out there. Like it's just whatever goes and you've got, you've got guys being recruited on Twitter by former players, you know, offering money to go to schools for different things. Um, I guess my question, and I know you guys have, I believe, I don't know if you did or someone sat down with the news observer and Steve Wiseman and talked through some of this stuff as well, but what do you envision NIL looking like at Duke university? I understand that Duke wants to take its time and, and figure this out in a proper way. But what do you think NIL will look like um, at Duke? Yeah. Um, well, how long do we have? Is this like a four-hour podcast? <laughs> as long as you want. I, I promise you our <laughs> listeners are good with it. Because <laughs> we'll only scratch the surface even in four hours. I mean, it is it is the wild, wild west. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, July 1st hit last year and we had no really guidelines um, on on how to approach NIL and, and what was legal and, and appropriate for student-athletes. Um, and so here we are a year later and got a, a very uneven playing field because because we've got several states with state laws, a bunch of states without state laws. Um, North Carolina does not have a state law relative to NIL, so it's institutional policy, and look how many institutions are in North Carolina alone, so we all have different institutional policies. So just trying to figure out, you know, what, what rules we're playing under um, is a full-time job. Um, let me go back to just kind of NIL. So just in its basic form, I am a fan of name, image, and likeness. Yeah. I think that our student athletes should have the flexibility to make money off of their own brand. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, there has to be some kind of guardrails around it. And um, since there are none, what we've seen is people say the unintended consequences, but of course you could see this coming since we didn't have rules, but it's becoming pay for play and recruiting inducements and all the things that college athletics is not supposed to be about. Um, and so the proliferation of, um, you know, money and deals and just these huge numbers um, to come and play at XYZ school. And then, oh, you put the transfer portal on top of it. And <laughs> Um, you know, what if a kid gets injured and isn't playing? And so who's paying for their, um, their um, insurance? I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild to me um, where we are. Um, and so we, we really have to kind of get our arms around this and, and, um, you know, think about what is um, the best way to go about NIL where we're keeping our student athletes best interests at the forefront of the decision making. Um, and so, you know, again, allow them to profit off of their own name, image, and likeness, but how do we stop all of kind of the dirty activity? Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, for Duke, we're really fortunate to have had success, not just in the athletic space, but the academic space as well, right? So here we, we like to say our kids are double majoring in academics and athletics, and, um, and we're providing an elite experience to them relative to both. And we want to be good at both. We're not shy about wanting to be really good students and really good um, athletes do, doing both really well. So, you know, it, it Duke academics, we, the, 
the philosophy is promoting creativity and innovation. We encourage students to explore all possibilities so that they can be global change makers when they, they leave here. Um, and, and our student athletes are students. And so that philosophy applies to them as well. So we want them to be able to embark on deals from a wide range of areas, you know, create financial opportunities, um, develop meaningful relationships, deals that foster community, collaboration, serve the public good, um, it, you know, and so maybe it's something around academics, something relative to athletics. Mm -hmm. um, our student athletes are having opportunities and I'm really happy uh, our um, female student athletes are, are getting opportunities. It's not just kind of our high profile yeah. men's basketball, um, football uh, players, student athletes. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a good amount of activity for the student athletes that want opportunities. Not everybody wants to promote themselves either, or I would say make they do want to make money, but not necessarily, you know, by, by putting their brand out there. So, you know, we start with education. We're educating them on how to build a brand, how to market themselves, um, talking about contracts. Um, you know, I, they, these things carry tax implications that a lot of times an 18-year-old has no idea about. So really focusing on the education piece of NIL and then saying, hey, go do your deals and, and good luck. Um, they can hire agents, which I do think is a good thing um, to, to work on their NIL deals only. So we are also working with the agents, communicating with them. We're not getting deals for anybody. We're just communicating and, and making sure that nobody's kind of going outside um, what's permissible within the Duke rules because we have our own institutional policy. So kind of a, a big, big answer to what is a, a big um, question um, relative to NIL. So I'm excited for our student athletes to, and, you know, kind of see what the future holds and how, how we can grow this the right way. Um, but again, coming back to regulation, I think at this point, what we need, we need federal legislation um, to get us all on, on the same even playing field, um, get out of state laws um, regulating so that, that we're not all over the place. But I don't really have much confidence that we're going to get there. I mean, Congress is kind of busy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we'll, we'll ever see that, um, or anytime soon, I should say, but, um, again, going back to NIL, I like it. I think it's good. I think our student athletes should be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, if Nina, if Nina King is a 19 year old sophomore on the Duke women's basketball team in 2022, what does your NIL portfolio look like? What are you going after? Are you going like commercials? Are you like window more and Bojangles or are you working like some more like, you know, behind the scenes stuff? What does the Nina King portfolio look like NIL wise? Okay. First of all, Josh, you just made me a women's basketball player, which makes my day because I was not an athlete at hey. all. So now no. I'm a women's basketball player. This is great. <laughs> given that scholarship honorary from the, from the section 17 podcast. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So NIL, listen, I am going to go look for, um, uh, brands um, to put in my portfolio that reflect my passions, right? So um, local, um, huge uh, fan of the Durham community and um, what we've got here, and we've got a great hometown vibe and, and feel with a lot of local brands, but then national global ones as well, because when I graduate, I'm going to go out into the world and, and do something fun and fabulous. And so want to make sure that my brand is out there globally as well. Um, and so by combining authentic relationships and um, a, a carefully crafted authentic personal brand, um, I'm going to take advantage of those opportunities that align with my value system. Um, deals can be from a prominent uh, maybe sports brand that promotes women's sports. Um, obviously, being in, in women's basketball, I've been exposed to some of those brands that are, are honing in on um, promoting women's sports. Um, also, maybe, you know, in terms of locally, um, We've got a lot of um, um, rec centers, youth opportunities. And so where can I um, go and help out um, where there's little girls who look like me that aspire to maybe um, play sports in college um, and learn, uh, you know, how to get there. And so I'm going to go look to, to kind of tag on um, with maybe a, a local um, sport related um, brand as well. Also, now I can hold camps um, and, and make money off of my own camps. 
docs and, mm -hmm. and clinics. So maybe go back to my hometown. I'm from Tampa. So maybe go back to my hometown and, and hold a camp um, uh, for women's basketball and, and young ladies. Um, and, and not just basketball, you can talk about leadership and life lessons. And so again, for me, the values are not just sport, but kind of life and how can we tie life into sport? So I don't know, kind of everywhere. I haven't really thought about that much, like what brands um, would I, would I, um, you know, kind of tag on with, but again, I think it goes back to just kind of aligning brands with my personal values um, yeah. and building my brand via them. That's cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, uh, we are a football podcast and we have actually talked way more about the round ball uh, on this specific episode than we've ever had in the past. We, <laughs> we actually ignore the fact that the basketball exists on this podcast most of the time. Um, and so we want to talk football. That's what we're about. And so kind of uh, transitioning to that, um, we went through a major transition. We've mentioned it already um, at the end of uh, last football season in December. Um, now with coach Mike Elko, since, uh, since you were brand new to that AD position and I, I don't want you don't, I don't want you to overshare here uh, per se, but, how difficult was it or how challenging was it to make the decision that that we did need to make a change? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, we've mentioned Mike Krzyzewski in 42 years. Well, David Cutcliffe had been here, you know, for what was it, 14 years, 15 years? So yeah, 14 years. So here we go with that. You're a first-year AD. Just how challenging was it uh, to say, you know, we, we've got to make a, a shift here? How, how challenging was that? Very. Next, <laughs> but I didn't have to overshare. So there you it go. No, that's good. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. And, and, and I can imagine because you, you go from, I, I think every Duke football fan that's logical, and there are a lot of them that aren't, uh, but every Duke football fan that's logical uh, would say, you know, put the statue up, honor, 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 but then also understand two and nine, three and nine you know, is it going to make it happen? And so completely understand the position you were in. And thank you for answering that question. Um, could you walk us through the process then of the coaching search? We heard of a search firm. We heard of a team that was maybe put together. I don't know how much you can share about maybe who spoke in uh, to that process. And you guys, by the way, did an incredible job of keeping things close to the, to the vest. I mean, uh, I may have a follow-up question after you get done, uh, but there were there was crazy stuff being said out there, none of which was coming out of Duke, all coming from other places. You guys did such a good job of keeping things close. Kind of walk us through that process, the search firm, the team that was put together, who spoke into that, and then ultimately landing at Mike Elko. Yeah. Um well, I appreciate, first, I appreciate the chance to talk about other sports than just football, since uh, I do work with 27 sports daily, um, but I appreciate that we are a football podcast. So <laughs> let's talk football. Um, very similar process, actually, to um, when we hired John Shire for men's basketball. Um, and, and so it, uh, again, having been here for 13 years prior to, to that, um, I have been through several um, coaching searches. And we've done all kind of the same way um, in terms of hiring a, a search firm, a committee, determining where student athlete involvement is going to take place as well. Um, and, and then how we're going to execute this. And, and, um, and I will say also a year before uh, that, I had gone through this in terms of women's basketball and hiring mm -hmm. Kara Lawson. So yep. our three highest profile sports at Duke um, done in two years. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, yeah. but so um, we did put together a small committee and and then I uh, I really leaned on Art Chase, our senior associate athletic director, and he has direct oversight of football, um, which was something which was my role prior to to becoming um, athletic director. And so I would say Art and I worked the closest um, and involved folks from around our department um, as we did this. So listen, these types of searches, you don't have the luxury of time. Got to get it done. Other schools are doing it at the same time. You might be talking to some of the same people. And so just kind of working fast. And I am proud of, of us getting it done in um, a short amount of time and not much, much information getting out there. I did read information um, and just kind of curious. I wonder sometimes how that stuff gets out there, but I also have to, it's entertaining because a lot of times it's not true <laughs> yeah and, and i won't even ask you about specific one but let me just let me just say this kind of vaguely i mean you had national media members floating names out there like these aren't just like 
random like Duke beat writers or whatever. I mean, these are like yeah. national media members saying so-and-so is in line or whatever. Like when you see that and you know that whether, whether or not that person was even interviewed, who even knows, yeah. but like you see something like that, it's got to make you like scratch your head. um no I'm glad national media members are talking about Duke football um and and that's the way that it should be right I mean we are a national brand and and we were scouring the country I mean we talked to folks um all over the country and and interviewed folks um I will say I mean it was still just as um women's basketball and men's basketball searches were were during a COVID time so we were doing a lot of zooms which was odd and awkward Mm -hmm. but that's the way we had to do things and so um so a lot of, of conversations with candidates uh, via Zoom. And so early on, um, a lot of those conversations were Art and I um, with kind of our, our bigger pool um, that the, the search firm brought us um, to talk to. Uh, and then we narrowed it down and, and we had finalists that we brought to, to the bigger group um, uh, search committee. And, um, and then President Price was also involved as well and, and nice. talked to her finalists um, before um, I made the decision. I mean, President Price is is absolutely wonderful. We have got a a terrific leader here for Duke University. um, And he allowed me to do my job and empowered me to do my job and make the call um, on all of these decisions to make a change, to hire the next coach. Um, He gave me his input and feedback, but really supported me in in my decision, which I'm so grateful for. Because I think you've you've seen and and read at other places where the board is making the call or the president is making the call. And and that's not fair to the athletic director to, to kind of tie their hands behind their back and not let them do their job yeah 100 percent. and that that segues right into what yeah uh, to my next question and that is we were at the introductory press conference it was actually our first uh technically technically we're like hybrid media so it was our first like media event we were and we were there and just watching you uh up there with the elko family just the way you looked and the way you handled yourself at that press conference we walked away and one of the main takeaways we had was this was Nina King's hire. Like she's all in on this hire. Like she's owning this hire. Um, and so we could see that um, just from a, like a perspective that we had, what was it about Mike Elko? Right. I mean, obviously there are, were plenty of, of candidates out there that you spoke with, or probably plenty of other very good candidates that we didn't even speak with as a university. What was it about Mike Elko that, that said, Hey, he's the guy that's going to lead Duke football to the next step. Yeah. I mean, you guys have spent some time with him. It's not hard to see. He is a brilliant football coach. He is a really smart guy. Um, He's got a great personality um, and, and he, his background and experience um, as a high level division one football coach um, over a handful of years, set a long track record um, of success. I mean, he just, he checked all the boxes for us. And, um, you know, he's coming from Texas A&M, SEC. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, is he going to be able to to relate to um, the product that we've got here in our university here? And of course, I mean, he's an Ivy League grad. Um, He has spent time in the ACC. He was at Notre Dame. Um, I mean, just just incredible um, experiences. Again, track record of success, not just being at those places, but being extremely successful. Um, And then, yeah, we talked football. you know, it's funny. Sometimes people are like, oh, women can't be athletic directors. That was years ago. Sometimes people still say that um, because you can't oversee big time football. Um, of course you can. I don't have to draw up the plays and run the drills, but I will say it does help to have a, a bit of working knowledge about football. And so we yeah. did talk a lot about his um, his style of coaching, his his style of, um, you know, obviously he was defensive coordinator. And so, you know, what, what his philosophy was around the defense, how, what he would do as a head coach, um, you know, in, in terms of empowering a defensive coordinator and kind of, you know, letting go, he's the head coach now. And, and um, what kind of offense he envisioned running to complement the that defense that style of defense and just all of that. Um, I mean, we had so many great conversations and um, personal and and football and just all of it. Um, and you mentioned his his family. I mean, Michelle Elko is absolutely incredible, and and their children are fantastic. I mean, they're the the perfect 
football family fit for Duke University. And so, um, and then also, I mean, we talked about staff and, you know, you need to understand, um, you know, what, what that's going to look like when you're hiring the head coach, you need to understand what their vision is for their program and who they're going to surround themselves with. Um, and, and I think he did a really good job in, in bringing in um, 10 big time assistants. And so, um, like I said, wasn't hard um, from conversation one, conversation one was on the zoom. He was out recruiting. Um, and he told me he had to, uh, run to TJ Maxx or something to go buy a button down shirt for our interview. <laughs> Listen, I don't care. Your listeners no. can't see me now, but I am in a t-shirt and sneakers um, and, and joggers right now, comfy pants. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but just that he put the effort into that and, and really, um, this meant a lot to him as it did to me. And so just from that initial Zoom conversation through the, the rest of, of the process over a few days, um, it became really clear to us. That's awesome. We can see this new energy within the program. We were able to be at several of the spring practices, which by the way, it's funny you mentioned him trying to let the defense do its thing. Like we, we picked with him, like he can't help himself. He kind of <laughs> just like, he kind of just gravitates over to the secondary yeah. and to the linebackers and stuff. So we've been picking with him about that, but there's a new energy. It's, it's obvious within the program. Uh, what has stood out to you most six months in to the Elko era at Duke? What has stood out to you the most as coach Elko has transitioned into this role? Yeah, it's that, the energy, the enthusiasm. Um, folks are talking about Duke football. Listen, we had the, the blue-white game. Um, were you guys here for the, the yep. scrimmage? Almost 4,000 yep. people here right. on Easter weekend to watch um, the blue-white scrimmage. Um, and so it's just... You know, we're we're talking about Duke football a lot more. We're um, you know re-energizing this thing and and getting it going. Um, I think buy-in starts um, within our own university, and um, I'm really excited this this year's um, incoming freshman class at freshman orientation in August. We're going to have an event in Wallace Wade, and they're all going to receive personalized jerseys with their last name on oh, on um, the back, and the number will be um, their grad year. And so, you know, I mean, just first and foremost starting with our own Duke community here, getting them excited about Duke football and, and uh, ready to go. And so, it, it, you know, it, places I go, people are talking about, about Duke football and Coach Elko. He's done a really good job um, assimilating into to campus and as well as the, the local Durham community um, to, to get folks here and, and see what this thing is all about and, and get in with us at the ground level. It doesn't hurt that he has a, a at least from what Camden Indoor Stadium saw he has a better free throw shot than JJ Reddit, right? I mean it doesn't hurt when he, when he, he hits the free throw that JJ couldn't hit, right? Yeah, so. pretty darn good. Throughout the first <laughs> pitch at a softball game. Yeah. Yeah. There. yeah, yeah. He's good. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, he's been, you know, and he was around the spring yeah. and, and at all of our um our sporting events. And I would see him at a baseball game, softball game, and um just a, a really great campus citizen. Yeah. That's awesome. One basketball game this year, I got a random ticket and I happen to be sitting directly behind you and him at one of the games. I'm like, this is kind of cool. You know, I <laughs> uh, sit, yeah. sit up there with that, that nice little uh, midcourt uh, seat up there, but um, back to football, can't get off on the basketball tangent again. Um, what are your, what are your expectations? Um, as the athletic grader, what are your expectations for the first season coming up this fall for coach Elko? And then, if it should be any different, right? Your expectations, you're, from, you're at a different spot and level. What about the fan base? What should the fan base's expectation be heading into this first season um, mm -hmm. in the fall under Coach Elko? Yeah, great question. So let me start with the fan base. The fan base should be patient um, and expect a good fan experience. And so um, out there supporting our student athletes um, and and you know enjoying the atmosphere and the football game. Um, I don't want to create. I don't want to create the expectations for the fans. Um, nor do I think they should have unrealistic expectations. We are rebuilding. Um, we are um, in development mode. <laughs> um, you know, we are not. Um, you know, going to come out and, and win a national championship in year one of the Elko era. Um, my expectations uh, for our program is first and foremost for our all, all of our student athletes, 110 plus student athletes to have the very best experience possible. Um, and so, of course, competitive success is a part of it. We want to get out there and win damn games. We mm -hmm. want to go to a bowl game. We want to win um, an ACC championship. Um, you know, we want to compete at the highest level and, and win at the highest 
highest level. Um, but, you know, like I said, it is all about the student athlete experience. They threw in with us. They said, yes, I'm going to come to Duke University um, where I can have the opportunity to do the very best academically and athletically. And so we are here to provide the resources for them to do that. So that's my expectation. And for them to have fun. Um, you know, it's hard when when um, things aren't going your way and, and um, you know, we're not winning those games. A lot of times it looks like folks aren't having fun out there. And so I just want to place a, a premium on um, having fun while we're out there competing. Yeah, for sure. And we're, we're seeing it already. And I, we, we really appreciate the sports talk um, that we've just done. Thank you for being willing to sit down with us. Now we want to close. Brian's going to lead us into um, a segment and this is, this is going to be, we want to get to know you, right? And we've, we have, we've talked in IL. We know you're a Real Housewives fan, all those things. we got that. Um, and so Brian's got some like rapid fire. Uh, let's get to know Nina King questions. And then we'll close out after that, Brian. Well, before we start, can the four of us come to the freshman orientation and get a jersey? <laughs> <laughs> that, that has one of, been one of our hot topics with Duke football. Just throwing that out there. We need better apparel for the fans and the families. Yes. We'll just Got leave it. with that. Yeah. Hey, but, this is, we'll, we'll keep this on the podcast. I was going to actually mention this to you off after we got done, but that 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 idea with the jerseys for the students. Every parent of a player needs a jersey with their. They, we literally have parents reaching out to us, basically asking, "Where do you find the best fake Duke jerseys that I can get my son's name on the back?" Seriously, we yeah. get that often. Like, where can I find the best fake like jersey? that'll have my son's name and number on it. That looks like a Duke Jersey. So like yeah, we've even seen, it. we won't say, we won't say the family. There's even one family of a current player who bought Indianapolis Colts. Cause you can customize ah. NFL jerseys. They yeah. bought the Colts Jersey, put their son's name on the back and number and they wear a Colts Jersey, the games. Yeah. So, you know, right. that's, we're just throwing it out there. Uh, parents, if you're listening, we, 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 we got you. Out to the AD and told them the issue. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, go all ahead. Right. All right, so Josh had all the hard stuff to talk with uh -huh. you about. We, we don't like that. We, we like these rapid-fire questions. We actually did it with Coach Elko when he came on. Really, the fans appreciated getting to know him more personally. So <laughs> hopefully we won't, you know, dig too deep into the life of Nina King. But here we go, all right? So July 4th is coming up. Yes. What's your favorite vacation spot? Uh, Cape Cod. My family is there, and I head there tomorrow. Very nice. Yeah. How long are you going to be there for? Yeah, off and on over the next few weeks. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Favorite place to eat in Durham without upsetting any business owners? Oh, well, I don't want to upset any business owners. <laughs> so all of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a favorite. Listen, we've got great, great restaurants here in Durham. Um, so much fun. But I also have really picky children eaters. So we don't get out as much as we'd like to. Got it. First car you ever owned? Oh, I had a Saturn. Do you remember those? They don't oh. even exist anymore. Now, what kind of Saturn though? The car? Yeah, it was. Oh my God. You don't know the brand. That's how old I am. It was Saturn. It's Ion, it, Saturn Ion. That yeah, was the, the Ion brand. is the car. Right? It wasn't an Ion. It was called something okay. else. Saturn was like the brand. It was a two-door. I was For some reason, I was obsessed with that. And so that's what it I got. Saturn was like the Chevy knockoff, I believe, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I had, a, I had a classmate that had one of those. I, I remember Saturn's very fondly. <laughs> Favorite all-time movie? Few Good Men. It's a good one. You can't handle the truth. You can't. And I'm a lawyer, so I enjoy watching it. I always, I never practice, but I always envision going into a courtroom and staring a witness down and saying you can't handle the truth that is definitely a remote dropper whenever you're watching tv no yeah. matter what you're doing if it's on the remote goes down yep what's currently on your music playlist oh i'm more so i'm more of a podcast person on music <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey. by the way but it's true so on my drive to work and usually when i'm um bopping around town i have a podcast on um but music i'm all over the place 80s um country. Um, my kids make me put hits one on when we're in the car. Um, someone asked me recently, what's the last song you sang out loud? And it was um, about damn time from Lizzo. Uh, so I'm everywhere. That's the best kind of music fan in my personal opinion. I'm the same way with Sirius XM. Yeah. Tell us a coach at Duke you wish more people knew better of the mm -hmm. 27 sports that you are over. Yeah. Um, I would say Dan Brooks. 
Um, I think a lot of times folks, uh, you know, you immediately go to Coach K and, you know, the, the five national championships. Dan Brooks, our women's golf head coach, has seven national championships um, at Duke, which is absolutely incredible. What he has done for our women's golf program is, is really, um, really something. And, uh, and he's not done yet. Um, so I would love for, for folks to get to know him. And then, you know, maybe a little even more less profile, but one of our absolute best, Alex Begane, our fencing coach. He's been here for 40 years um, and he is, um, he's very handy and he builds things, everything. If you go in the fencing gym and the locker room, he's built much of the infrastructure. It's absolutely amazing. Um, he's French. I love listening to him and his accent. And I think folks, uh, folks that don't know him would as well. More iconic touchdown Jesus or the Duke chapel. Not fair Duke chapel. <laughs> Why is it not fair? <laughs> <laughs> My alma mater, <laughs> Notre Dame, um, and uh, but a place I've actually now have been at Duke longer than than I was at Notre Dame uh, for undergrad and and working there for a while. Um, but Duke Chapel is absolutely beautiful, and and um, uh, I do go to church there every once in a while and and enjoy uh, the iconicness uh, that we have right here in in Durham. Okay, hardest thing about your job. Um, I would say just kind of the uncertainty of college athletics broadly um, and what's happening. A lot of times folks say, what does this look like in five years? And who knows? Because uh, we are rapidly changing. Um, and so I would say that that's the biggest challenge right now. I think you already said this, but I'm going to ask it again. One thing you want to say to Duke football fans heading into this year, into August. Buy your season tickets, get your yeah. butt in Wallace Wade Stadium and cheer on our student athletes. Follow up. Will we see you come by section 17 this year and say hello? 100%. Absolutely. Okay. I'm there. Top Final row. question. Listen, we're in the top row. You don't even have to walk down. We, we <laughs> sit yeah. in the top row so our backs can be up against the seat back and the seat backs. So Good we're call. very easy, very easy Good to call. get to. I do want to know is there a section 17 tailgate? Oh, so starting this year, we have combined with the iconic hard hat guys and Perfect. we will be tailgating together. So. I'm stopping by for a hot dog. All right. Last question, and this is just me personally, and the guys are going to laugh when I ask this. What are your thoughts on alternate helmets and jerseys for football? <laughs> I'm not – no, no, no. I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to – which one of you I'm going to win with, so I'm not going to go there. I'm staying neutral. Well, now, you know what? I – Listen, I want what the student athletes want. And I think that they enjoy different jerseys, different helmets, kind of switching it all up. Um, now, are we Oregon with 82 combinations in a season? No. <laughs> um, but if our student athletes are happy having various conversations, uh, um, combinations, excuse me, then that's what I want. Well, I, I have this fun with the Duke uh, equipment staff and their Twitter account every time they release a jersey. Everyone asks me my thoughts and stuff because we, we've gotten very bland in the last few years. So I'm hoping that's another thing that changes back to the way it was years ago. But I just, I just have to ask, you know, it's just curious with us being yeah. a, a prime university and we're, we're sponsored by Nike, you know, you figured we get a few more, you know, designs and colors out there just to, you know, Get Brian, some we actually, athletes. Brian walks the line of getting blocked by the football equipment. <laughs> uh -oh. We we keep it from our official account. We don't let him do tweet any of that because we're like, man, we got to stay in good graces. But when yeah. they blow, when they blow, come out with like a white helmet, blue top, white pants, Brian's like, come on, man, we can do better than this, you know. So. Black, white, black, worst combination <laughs> ever. Oh, so what's your dream combination? Ooh. Ooh. So put him on the spot. I, thank you very much for doing thank you. this. No, 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 no. Yeah, thank you, you for doing this. And the, I love this because I tried my hand at graphic design a few months ago and mm -hmm. I designed some helmets. They weren't the greatest. I'll, I'll admit it, but I just threw it out there to Duke fans. Um, we ha I had one with the fighting devil logo where the devil's rolling his sleeve up on the helmet. We did the Hellraiser, but on a black helmet. And a lot of people seem to like that. And then we did one with an older Duke design, which I don't know if the school still has trademarks on it. So perfect world. I would like all black to be on the field more. I know that's probably a, a, a combination save for special games, 
But I also know that we've played all blacks in games that we've gotten blown out. So it might just be a superstition thing. So that, that's just me personally. We, we went all black that Miami game on the Thursday night ESPN, and it was not good. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Well, listen, we really appreciate the time, uh, and we've had a great time with you. Uh, we look forward to seeing you, obviously, in football games and different things. And then, obviously, Duke fans, uh, get to Wallace Way this year. If you have not gotten your season tickets yet, um, you need to do so. Um, if you are just keeping up with anything going on in Duke football, you see the, the excitement around the program, you see the recruits and the commitments that have us in some areas ranked 17th in the country in the 2023 class. And, uh, man, th- this deserves our support as fans. And so come out. You'll, you'll see uh, Nina King walking around and saying hello, I'm sure. Uh, before and during games as well and so come out to Wallace Wade uh, coming up here in just about 64 I believe 64 days we kick off the season Nina thank you so much for coming on the section 17 podcast Josh Brian all of you guys it's been great thanks for having me Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 Podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our thanks again to Duke Athletic Director Nina King as she sat down with myself and Josh to talk all things Duke. Well, before we go on this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. We're just, we just want to give our thoughts about the new scheduling format that the ACC came out with. I believe it was two days ago, starting next year in 2023, and how it impacts Duke football. So, real quick, just to give everyone a heads up if you haven't heard the news, it is a new 355 format. Josh, why don't you explain a little bit and then we'll delve deep into exactly how that affects Duke football. I I did put you on the spot, by the way. Yeah, you're good. You're good. So, yeah, obviously the ACC football has gotten – we've gotten accustomed to the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions. Uh, We speak of Coastal Chaos. Um, Every year we play uh, teams such as UVA and and Pitt, Virginia Tech and whatnot um, every season. And this new um, structure is going to do away with those divisions. And so here we sit – with what the ACC is calling a 3-5-5. And so if you haven't been able to look into this, I'll briefly let you know Duke will play the same three opponents every year. And then the remaining 10 opponents in the ACC, Duke will play on an every other year rotation. And so fortunately for Duke, Wake Forest fans, fortunately for Duke, you bunch of crybabies, um, Duke gets the big four. It's Duke. They play Wake Forest, North Carolina State, and UNC every year. And may I just say, well, no, I'll let you guys. Initial reaction, Scott, what's your initial reaction uh, when you hear that Duke gets basically tobacco road every year? Um, For a fan that grew up here, that's been a Duke fan my whole life, I enjoyed many games as a child watching Duke and State play. This every six-year garbage that we've had for the last – 10 or 12 years. It's just been ridiculous. So I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, obviously we play Carolina and we play Wake every year anyway, but the rivalry with State has always been a good one. And, you know, there's been times where some state, some guys that ended up at State were on the Duke's list and decided to take State. And there's some guys that decided to take Duke over State. So, you know, the rivalry part would be good. And honestly, it's a 30-minute ride. Carter Finley's a great place. State fans, you know, they enjoy their football. It's a great opportunity, and it'll be good. I mean, it's good for us if we, if we're into the traveling scene part where we want to go to some away games. It'd be great for us and the fan base itself. So, really looking forward to that part. And honestly, we get to play every team within three years. 
And I mean, yeah, we may not want to play Clemson every three years, but it's fun to play Clemson every three years and other teams like that. So I'm personally excited, looking forward to it, and cannot wait till it gets started. Yeah, I'm the same way as Scott. But first, first thing I really want to say is, you know, Wake Forest fans, cry. I mean, seriously, could you cry anymore? You know, Duke got the Duke got the big four games. Wake Forest got stuck with like Georgia Tech and I don't know Virginia Tech. And I saw somebody crying on on Twitter that said, you know, Wake Forest is an up and coming football school. We should have got, you know, the big four games instead of Duke. And I was like, you know, Wake Forest doesn't push the needle. Wake Forest is nothing. Nobody cares about Wake Forest. Okay, so now I'm off my Wake Forest tangent. But, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Scott. Like, playing state every year now is is a great thing for, for Duke. Uh, growing up, I started going to games. When Spurrier was on the sideline, we played state every year. The games were generally very, very close. Uh, got to see Philip Rivers play in Wallace Wade. I mean, it was it was just a fun game. Although Duke over the years lost a lot of those games in the in the in the bad years, but it was just a fun game, and it's going to be fun to see them every year. Um, I love the new schedule. Ultimately, I think the ACC is looking at you know doing away with the with the divisions to get the best game they can possibly get in Charlotte, which. I don't blame them. That's what you want as an ACC fan, too. That's what you want. You want to see where we're going to go ahead and pencil in Clemson, you know, pretty much every year, right? And then whoever the second-best team is, meet meet Clemson in the ACC championship game. But I think it's a good thing, and it's a great thing to play state every year. And another note to Duke fans, if, if you're new Duke fans and you haven't, you know, been going to games that long, so you haven't seen state come and play us in Durham, uh, you better show up because the state fans will show up and they will show up in the masses and it'll be a, it'll be basically a state home game if our Duke fans don't show up. So we got to show up. I mean, this couldn't have come at a better time for Duke football. And I got a question. You, you guys are more tenured uh, in, in age as far as uh, Duke football and stuff like that. Did Duke, UNC and state ever have a, like a trophy amongst the three of them for best season record? No? no? Perfect. ACC, let's get this started right now. How about a Tobacco Road Cup or an RTP Triangle Cup or something? If we know these three teams are going to p- play each other every year, then let's have some bragging rights. The Army, Navy, and Air Force do it with the Commander-in-Chief Cup. Why can't we do it? You know, everyone talks – I know basketball, Tobacco Road, but I think that would be an added emphasis on these games. And it would mean more if that would be another trophy we could put in our trophy case – each and every year. But to Jamie's point, we're now going to be able to have teams come in and, and Scott's point that we wouldn't have seen for another five, six years. Let me just kind of foreshadow 2023. And I tweeted about this. This is our, these are the teams that are coming into Wallace Wade next year. Are you, I hope you're ready for this. And, and as coach Elko has been saying, you want to get bought in on the ground floor. You need to get your season tickets this year so you can get them renewed for next year. Because guess who's coming to Wallace Wade next year? Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, NC State, Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. Those are just the ACC schools that are coming in. And we've got our non-conferences as well. So this is a great year for us to transition from the Cutcliffe era to the Elko era for Coach Elko to get his recruits in. Because when 2023 hits, we're going to hit the ground running because we're playing top-notch teams every year. And with the addition of State on the schedule every year, whew, it's going to make games even more close, even more fun. But we've got to have fans in the stands. And if this doesn't excite you as a football fan, then maybe it's time to look to another sport or another team outside of the ACC. Kudos to the ACC for doing this. I feel it was a couple of years overdue. But regardless, it has happened. And let's all have fun with it starting next year. Yeah, I I agree with all of you guys. The one thing I will say as a logical Duke fan, you know, this does eliminate us, you know, catching, striking gold one year and everybody in the coastal having a down year and us winning that division. 
Um, and so what it means is if we win the ACC in this new structure, it means we legit won the ACC. There will be no like, oh, Clemson made it, but Florida State was actually really good too, and NC State was better than y'all too, but they were just in the wrong division. No, there will be none of that. If you win the ACC now, <clears throat> it's because you were the best team in the conference. And so uh, that that's pretty cool. Well, listen, we want to thank you. Um, for being a part of this episode, off-season episode. We are heading quickly into um, the new season. I cannot wait to see Mike Elko, the staff, the players out there on the field. Um, If media is available to go to practices uh, upcoming in August, uh, you can believe we will be there. We do again want to thank Nina King uh, for being our special guest today and for being so open and honest with us. Um, and sharing a lot of things I believe Duke fans um, really want to hear. And so if you have appreciated this podcast, would you do a couple of things for us? First thing, would you share it? Share on your social media, text it to some friends that are Duke fans. A second thing, if you're on Apple Podcasts or now on Spotify, you can now rate on Spotify. Give us a five-star rating on Apple. Give us a rating and a review. It really helps us. And so if you'd be so kind to do that, like I said, if you're listening on Apple, You've been able to rate there all the time. Spotify, it's something new. So if you listen on Spotify, hit that five-star rating for us. We would appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook uh, by searching for Duke Football Talk on Twitter. We are at Duke FB Talk. Um, As always, my name is Josh Cox. I am here with Brian Kennedy, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, and our producer, the ever-talented Justin Sykes. And this has been another another episode of the Duke Football Talk, Section 17 Podcast. <laughs>